Um, from Hebrews, we enter midstream into an argument, uh, really more like a sermon, a word of exhortation, that the early writer of, he- the writer of Hebrews is talking to the early church about. Um, and, and I just can't say enough about the next three weeks. Last week we started in Revelation, and we looked at John's image to one of the early Christian communities there, and this week Hebrews, next week Acts, and the following week from 2 Corinthians. Very early on in the, in the Christian church, Churches found themselves in, in times of crisis and distress and turmoil and facing all sorts of challenges, many of which we still face, but certainly none that were insurmountable. And so a leader would step up, a preacher would step up, uh, the community would step up and say, let us press on toward the goal. Let us press on toward the prize. That's what Hebrews reminds us. We are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, and we press on toward the prize, which is Jesus Christ. And so from Hebrews, kind of midstream into into this narrative, into this sermon, we read these words from uh, Hebrews 10, and I'll start with verse 23. Let us hold on to the confession of our hope without wavering, because the one who made the promises is reliable. And let us consider each other carefully for the purpose of sparking love and good deeds. And verse 25 says this, Don't stop meeting together with other believers, which some have gotten into the habit of doing. Instead, encourage one another, especially as you see the day drawing near. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering. Never neglect to gather together. And when you do, encourage one another. It's a good word for today. A challenging word for this ongoing year of 2020, for this ongoing time where we remain distanced from one another. How do we gather together? How do I preach or or proclaim such a message during stewardship of all times about gathering together when we can't, well gather together like we would prefer to do. How is there any integrity there? Hmm. Can you believe that Christmas is only a couple of months away? That's hard to believe, right? About seven weeks away. And parents, especially parents of young children, if you haven't made this discovery already, you, you, will, you will note that somewhere between the shredding of paper and the opening of gifts... And that moment when the caffeine finally kicks in, that the hard work of Christmas morning actually begins, there's a revelation there. Case in point, uh, several years ago, our girls were quite young, and Santa Claus brought one of the greatest gifts ever. It was a huge wooden swing set, dual swing set at that, Dual exits. It had a wonderful green slide, and it had a pole that they could slide down if they needed a fast escape that way. It had a nice fort up top where they could go hide, and it had a nice sand pit underneath it. It was fantastic. But the one thing Santa did not do was to put a single bolt in that thing for us. Instead... Susan and I awoke that morning, and Santa had very stealthily slid these big boxes next to the tree, and they were positioned just right, so these words could not be overlooked. You know these words? 
some assembly required. <laughs> some, you think? These boxes are bigger than I am. Some assembly required. By the time it was all said and done, that thing was held together by ratchet straps and duct tape. And some became a four-letter word. It took an engineer's degree to put that structure together. But in the end, what I discovered is piece by piece, spindle by spindle, washer by washer, it went together as a test in patience and as a labor of love, as a discipline of mine after work each day. It was the mid-bleak bleak midwinter, no doubt, became a labor of love. And that project was complete and it was ready for the children to make a lifetime of memories, which they did for about two full weeks. <laughs> and then it sat there. Some assembly required. I've ruminated on those words over the years, and I've thought about what they must mean for the church. I've thought about what they must mean, have meant for the early church in the first century facing death, martyrdom, political turmoil, chaos. I think about the times throughout history, all of the times throughout history when God's people have been driven out of their places of comfort, their homes of familiarity. They've been forced into 400 years of Egyptian slavery. God's people have been driven into the catacombs, underground even. Some Christians are still underground in various parts of the world. Yet, above it all, and through it all, this message resonates. Some assembly is required. Because it's in our assembling together, however it is that we are able to meet, whether it's geometrically distanced from one another in our beloved sanctuary, whether it's people we've never met by Zoom who have become our faithful and loving classmates in a Sunday school class, whether it's around the warm fire on a cold night in someone's backyard and we're able to share a prayer and a communion time together as a Sunday school class, or whether it's like it was between our two services this morning. We had one class of, of younger to middle-aged adults meeting here, 10 or 12 of them gathering together. We had another group of, of adults, 30 to 40 of them, gathered at the other end of the park out in public, never neglecting to meet together. Because when the winds whip and weaken our will, we need the warming embers of one another. That's what it means to be in the church. That's what it means to be the church. On the cold, dark nights, in the moments of celebration, in the moments of chaos, in the moments of tumult, in the moments where the winds and the waves of culture are pounding against us, we stand together arm in arm, brother and sister, for the cause of Christ. Never neglect to meet together. Jesus said where two or three are gathered in his name, he's there. Who's your group of two or three? I think the same is true, whether it's 30 or 40, 
or 100 or more. Jesus is there. Today, this Sunday, what a blessing it is that we've had more registrations for worship than we've had since we started doing registrations for, for this particular time of worship. We've had waiting lists before, but never has it come down to the wire where people have finally slid over and been here. Thank you for not neglecting to meet together. I don't know exactly why the writer of Hebrews is, is having this conversation to remind people to gather together. There's something that's, that's stressful or anxious or there's some pressure point that's there that's driven them away. Fear, political, individualism, just become lethargic spiritually in their faith perhaps. And so after eight and a half months of being apart from, from one another, I just think how beautiful it is that we're taking these steps forward slowly but safely to be together as God's people. Something I want you to think about and adopt as we move forward over the next couple of weeks in this series is how the word habit, we're thinking about habits of a healthy church, habit and priority are synonyms of one another. Think about your habits in your personal life and they're probably akin to your priorities in life. How we prioritize our lives becomes our habits. And that affects our families, and that affects the body of believers, and it affects our community. It also means that some assembly will be required because to assemble as God's people is to be assembled as a human being, as in to be put back together. And God knows after all that we have been through in this year and everything that has transpired this week, that God's people need to rise above all of the fray to stay focused on the cause and the mission that is Jesus Christ our Lord. So we gather together to reclaim that we are not fully citizens of this world, that we actually are here on God's kingdom work visas called baptism to bring in the reign of God's goodness and justice and righteousness because things are not as they're supposed to be just yet. Some assembly is still required until Christ comes in final victory and we feast at his heavenly banquet. Until that day, I have some bolts and some loose screws that need tightening up. And the best way that I can do that is to give myself to a mission and a cause that's greater than me, that's greater than any of us. The other thing that I love about this passage is that it assumes a foundation that is Jesus Christ. You know the problem with the swing set that I put up for the girls, I didn't do the foundation work properly. It sat on a hill. I thought, no problem. They'll just kind of swing sideways or something, right? <laughs> or they can jump a little bit further if we just angle it just right, just the proper way. It's got to have a good foundation. I, did, I should have, in hindsight, disassembled it, worked on the foundation, and then reassembled it. You see, that's it's actually a model for my daily life, is to wake up every morning and say, Lord, 
disassemble me, work on my foundation, and then put me back together because some assembly is still required. What if we prayed that as our stewardship prayer? Disassemble us, Lord. Work on our foundation and then put us back together again so that we may rise above everything out there that's trying to divide us and stay focused on the mission of Jesus Christ. Matt, Matt mentioned what happens when we do that. Matt and Abby and Harper, they came into this church the second time as, and the first time, as sheep. They came in, y'all came in as sheep. And now, through the power of the Holy Spirit, you've become shepherds. Sheep come into, they gather together, and they become shepherds to bring others in. Because you see, disciples make disciples who make disciples who make disciples. It's the miracle of multiplication. That is our mission that is our focus. It said something. Jillian picked up on this when she was talking about encourage me to keep going and, and keep my eyes fixed on the prize that is the cross and the cause of, of Jesus Christ. This word encouragement uh, is mentioned in, in verse 24 and 25. It picks up on a common theme. It says, when you assemble, encourage one another to love and to good works or to good deeds. And that word that is used there may be interpreted a couple of different ways. When you assemble, provoke one another. Irritate one another in the name of Jesus. Annoy one another in the name of Jesus. Aggravate and pester one another like a mosquito that won't go away until all members of the body are loving others as God loves them, are loving themselves as God loves them. Some assembly is required to make us individually who we need to be and to continue us on the path, this 191-year journey together as a church. We are still a work in progress. So I end with this. I want us to think about our healthy habits and our unhealthy habits. I mentioned that in my e-news on, on Thursday when it came out. I hope you received that. I want us to continue taking an audit. We do this every single year. We take an audit of our lives and we ask ourselves, how am I being a faithful follower of Jesus Christ? What needs to continue? What needs to cease? For me, I have some habits that I've adopted over the past eight and a half months that are healthy and then others that I, I need your help letting go of. You know, I like a lot of things like Carbs that I don't need to binge eat on or I need to spend more time focused in prayer. I need a prayer partner. I need somebody for whom I can pray and with whom I can pray. And I know that they're doing the same for me. So I think the starting point is to take an audit of our lives. What are the habits that what are the priorities? How are we so ordering our lives after the example of Christ through our speech, through our action and through our inaction, through what we post and, and maybe what we don't post on social media? Are the words that, that we are proclaiming, are they edifying? Are they useful for instruction and, and building up the body of believers? Are they enticing others to love as God loves this world? Are they enticing others to good works? 
Or is all we're doing tearing people down? The work of the church is resurrection. It's raising up. It's raising things up to be made whole. I want to be a part of that, don't you? I want to be a part of being made into something new and seeing what God has in store for us. So think about your habits. Think about your good habits and, and your bad habits. I've thought a lot about it the past two weeks because we have a new puppy in our home. If you've been on social media, you've seen me post uh, an embarrassingly uh, overabundance of photographs of this dog on social media. Lucy, the English Cocker Spaniel. She is so cute, but she requires constant attention, constant supervision. She's made it into the house, right? She's in the master's house, but she doesn't get to run freely or else she'll develop some bad habits, most of which are based around her hypodermic-style teeth. You know, We have a wooden piece of furniture that will prove that point and several pairs of shoes at this point, right? <laughs> yeah. But I thought about Lucy's life and how cute she is, and she's got all that puppy breath going for her, but, but she's made me think about my relationship with, with God as, as well. Because we get to be a part of the kingdom. We get to be in the master's house. But that doesn't mean that we just get this get-out-of-hell-free card. we got some work to do. Some assembly is required. So we do not neglect to gather together as a people in whatever form that is. We do not neglect to gather together with our God because we need an undoing of some ways that we think. We need an undoing of, of some habits that we've adopted so that we can be freed for joyful obedience through Jesus Christ our Lord. Some disassembly is required in order to be reassembled. That's where I want to leave us today. That's where I want to leave us, is I want us just to think, spend just a moment and some, some time praying, and I'll guide us in a, in a prayer in just a moment. But three final things. Don't neglect to inhale faith and to exhale fear. I say it every week because it's so important. We cannot lose our focus because between a virus and this political climate and renovations and denominational matters, fear about the future, whatever it is, we will gather together and we will get through it together. So don't give up. Sign up for worship. Call one another daily. And remember, there is no challenge so great that we cannot overcome it together as the people called Methodists right here in Montgomery, Alabama. And then finally, fix your eyes upon Jesus. He is the pioneer, the perfecter of our faith. He is the one, Paul says, who did not equate himself with God but took on the form of a, of a servant and he emptied himself. He poured himself out in obedience, even obedience to the cross. How then, when we assemble together, allow God to put us back together, are we pouring ourselves out to provoke others to love and to good works? Let's spend just a few moments in prayer in our final time here together. Let's pray.
What an honor it is, God, to serve a congregation who for 191 years has had strong, vital signs of praying, of being present, of generosity, of serving this community and bearing witness to the good news of Christ. What an honor to be in this moment. I pray, Almighty God, that we would never neglect to gather together in whatever forms we're able to do so, but that we would do so by provoking one another to love. If love is not involved, then it is not of you. Help us to love others. Help us to love ourselves. And help us to love you. All honor and glory is yours, almighty God, now and forever. Amen.